Good morning, good morning. I, uh, I think Freedom Sunday is a kick. I mean, I know, so I, can, I can tell everybody under 50 is going, you know, they, they just don't get the music, you know. It's kind of like we were raised on that. So I'm sorry, but next week we'll be back to normal. But we got to honor our past. Okay, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. Not the Williams family, not the Williams family, yeah. I have something for you, kids. You have been hanging out for a long time, and I appreciate that. You hung out for about 35 minutes during worship, and I've got something for you right here. If you're between the ages of zero and like 12, would you come up, please? Come on, I want you to have a seat right here on the stage. Come on. Oh, there's Miley. Good to see you. Riley? Oh, give me five, Riley. Thank you. Have a seat, kiddos, and I want you to like turn and face me because I got something for you. I got a story for you. Come on. Hey, where's Wyatt? Oh, Wyatt's here. Good. Good. Kylie's here. All right. Nice. Fiona's here. Right on. Oh, you know what? Oh, good. Come on, kiddos. Yeah, right up here. So there's a picture of George Washington that I'd like to um, show the kids. And I'm just wondering, kids, who knows who? Don't say the answer. Just raise your hand. Who is George Washington? If you know the answer, raise your hand. Wyatt, who is George Washington? Not quite sure? Him. Yes, right there. Our next president, yes. All right. How about you, Lucas? President of the United First president of the United States. That's exactly right. Now, did you know that when we were a brand new country, George Washington, he was our very first president, and he had all kinds of ways he wanted to help Americans to kind of gather around one central theme, honoring God and loving one another. And so what he said is, you know what we need to kind of have a symbol to gather everybody around? He said, we need to, we need to create a flag. I'm going to finish the story, David. I know you know the whole thing, but I'm going to do it for you. He said, we need to create a flag. And so I need somebody to make a flag for us. And so he found this woman who was a seamstress. Her name was Betsy Ross, yeah. And so she came, and there's a picture of Betsy and George having a conversation there with a couple of the other leaders in the country, his vice president and Thomas Jefferson. And, and they were arguing about what kind of flag they should have. There were 13 colonies. They were going to become 13 states. And he said, we have to symbolize all 13 of our new colonies to make sure we all know we are one nation under God. And so what he said is, we've got to create a flag, and let's, let's use stars. This is George Washington, great general in the army, great president, and he's got an opinion about the stars on the flag. Isn't that kind of interesting? He must have been a, I don't know, perfectionist or micromanager or something, but it's kind of like, you could delegate that, but he had a strong opinion. And so what he said is, we need a star that has six points because it's a lot quicker to make. We can make hundreds of them. It's symmetrical. It's much easier to, to fabricate and copy and duplicate and sew. And then Betsy Ross said, Mr. President, I want to make a five-pointed star. And he said, way too complicated. Our machines aren't sophisticated enough for that. We need to make a five-point star, she said. And he said, nope, we need to do six. He said, it's way too complicated. And so while they're arguing, while they were debating about this, Betsy was folding a piece of paper, and she said, sir, I believe with one snip we can make a five-pointed star. And Washington said, I don't think so. 
Who are you? What are you, a magician? Not gonna happen. Well, she said, sir, may I give it a shot and see what happens here? Do you think she could do it? Anybody doubt? Find out. Lucas, can you open that star up and see what happens? Oh, look at that. It's half done. Fold it the rest of the way, and ta-da! We got it. Woohoo! She did it. And so, for that reason, every American flag in our country has a five-pointed star and not a six-pointed star. You know what that shows? That we all have different gifts. And we're not smart in everything. In fact, we're smarter than other people in some subjects. That's because God has planted his spirit, his nature, and his gifts in you. And you need to always be courageous to say, I think I have an idea. It might be a better idea. It might be a worse idea. But I'm going to share my ideas because God might be speaking to you. So always stand up. When you think God's speaking, never shut down. Never be afraid. Speak. And you may end up being the most famous star maker in the world. All right, before you go, kiddos, can we give the Lord a hand for these kids? Good job. Before you go, I'm going to step right down there. I've got a special 4th of July coloring book for you, if you'd like one, so that while I'm talking to your moms and dads, and if it gets kind of boring, you got something else to do. All right, come on down here, kids. Thank you, kiddos. Here, grab your colors and grab a book. Here you go. All right, and head on back. See mom and dad. Oh, that's okay. You got two. Look at that. Nice. Nice, nice. Tabby, would you like one, Tabby? And we got colors too. Yep, there you go. Mm-hmm. Wyatt, you got one? Oh, yeah. Come on, Gabester. Oh, good. There's yours. Right on. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, freedom is quite a, uh, an unusual thing. You have to realize that most of the countries, most of the citizens of the world don't have many freedoms. And uh, in America, we do have much more than most countries. Uh, but that is, that's kind of political freedom, and that could be taken away in a heartbeat, you know, uh, Enemy could invade our country, and boom, our freedoms are gone. The, our government could take away freedoms, and boom, they're gone. Natural disaster can come. Boom, our freedom could be gone. But the thing that we have in Jesus is a freedom that cannot be taken away. See, that's the, that's the beautiful thing about being a Christian is that you don't, you could be in prison for life and still be a free individual. So I want to just read a simple verse that Jesus shared with his disciples in John chapter 8, verse 31 to 33, he was talking to them. In fact, he was talking to not his 12, but to the Jews that were kind of gathered around him. And um, when I first read this verse, I thought, oh, some of the Jews are starting to believe in Jesus. That's cool. Not just the 12. But it wasn't quite true yet. Here's what happened. To the Jews who had believed him, okay, so it sounds like, okay, these are Jews who are now going, ah, Messiah, we got it. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, and this is where it kind of threw me. I thought they believed in Christ. And they said, but wait a minute. Um, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? 
I just wanted to put those two things together. That Jesus said, if you follow me, you become my disciple, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they're arguing about the fact that we're not slaves of anyone. We're not slaves. What do you mean? Be set free from whom? From what? We're just fine the way we are because we're descendants of Abraham. This kind of freedom that um, Jesus is talking about, when it first comes to an average human, we don't get it because we answer the same way. In fact, I remember before I came, became a Christian, I was 20s, 19, 20, and Christians would come to me and they would say things like, and it was radical, man. They would say things like, Alex, you're actually living in bondage. And I'm going, you got to be kidding me, man. I am a surf bum. I can work wherever I want. I can eat what I want. I can date who I want. I can avoid what I want. I can buy the kind of car I like. I, I can do anything I want. And I said, no, you're, you're actually a slave. And it really, really bugged me. It really bugged me because I, I remember thinking, it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard on earth. I mean, I, I'm free to do anything. I could just make all my own choices all the time. But I never could forget that statement. I'd go to bed at night and be thinking, be going through my head, you're in bondage, you're a slave, you're in bondage, you're a slave. And I'd be going, I, I don't get that. It just doesn't connect. That's kind of what these Jews were experiencing. It didn't connect. But then I began to realize all of the things that I had the freedom to do had one thing in common. All the choices I had freedom to make all had to do with me. I can do whatever I want. I can be the master of my destiny. I can go out and get it, get her done, do it, have it, and everything else. And it started to occur to me, and I think this is when people praying for my salvation came into play because I started thinking differently. I began to realize it all had to do with me all the time. I was the center of my universe. And then I began to realize this whole list has one thing in common. It's me taking care of me. Sure, I got a lot of desires and I have a lot of options, yeah. But they all end up in one place. They're in my lap for me to take care of me. And that's when it began to dawn on me that, you know, freedom inside the boundaries of a corral. It might be freedom while you're in the corral, but you're still in the corral. There's one freedom you just don't have. Like I, I began to think about it this way. Um, if, if I were a slave or if I was owned by another human being, and um, let's say it was a really generous owner, really nice, kind, generous owner. He said, Alex, you can do anything you want. You can have the run of my property. You can have all the food you want. You can you go anywhere you want. The one thing you cannot do is go outside the fence. You see, when there's one freedom that's eliminated, that's not true freedom. You see, you're still a slave. You're still owned by someone else. And in this case, that property owner, that someone else, would have been my flesh. It would have been the human Alex, and that's all that I could respond to because there were no other property owners. There was no other master. So I, I began to realize, wow, true freedom has to include something in addition to all the I want, I desire, this makes me happy, this is fun, this, this is pleasure. And so I began to realize, you know, when Jesus said, if you will be my disciple, then you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. 
I began to realize there's something he's talking about that's outside of, other than the freedom that I've experienced. And what I realized is um, I was starting to, this is my testimony, by the way, back in my early 20s. I was starting to um, experiment and say, you know what? I'm going to prove that I'm free. I'm going to prove I can get outside the fence. I'm going to prove that I can be the nicest, kindest, most other-centered person on earth. Because I knew that was the one thing I was not very good at. I was really good at pleasing me, not very good at pleasing others. And so I began putting like on this huge effort to be generous, to be kind, to be sacrificial, to be forgiving. And I could do it for like an hour <laughs> or a week maybe on, on a good week. But then I'd revert right back to, okay, it's all about me again. And I realized that was one battle I could not win. That's what Jesus was talking about. When he said, you guys are slaves, there's this really faint but powerful slave owner ruling you. And you can't break free until you come to me. It's the only way out. You will always revert back to taking care of number one. In fact, I think it's human nature. I don't know if it's a result of the fall. Like if it's only a sinful reaction, maybe sin is what brought that on for Adam and Eve. But Jesus was very clear right now, it's, it's your human nature. And so I realized if, if I can only be free 99% of the time and 1% of the time I can't, I'm still in bondage. I was going, oh, that's so wild. And I don't, I don't like that. I've I got to figure out what is he talking about. And then I remember reading and uh, kind of meditating on a, remember tracks? People would leave these little booklets in phone booths. Oh, do you remember phone booths? And, uh, or, you know, men's restrooms or restaurants, you know, under the salt and pepper. You'd pull out these little tracks, you know, and on the cover it would say something like, what fills the gap? It'd be a picture of this cartoon character with a big hole in his stomach and a fly buzzing through it, you know. And uh, I thought that was very intriguing stuff. And it was in those kind of places I was beginning to read things like, it's better to give than receive. If you give, it'll be given to you. And I bet... I began thinking, that's just so opposite. I've been gathering, gathering, gathering all my life. Gathering, gathering. That's what life is about. That's what life is for. It's all about propelling me to have the best life I can have. And then I remember coming across the great commandment where Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your soul, mind, strength, and heart. And the second one is equal to it, and your neighbor as yourself. And that's actually very curious I can understand the love God part because he made us and yeah, we should, you know, respond to him as his creation. And, but the, the curious part is love your neighbor as yourself. I didn't really get that. But I knew that's the part I wasn't doing very well at all. In fact, that phrase, as yourself, didn't you ever think that's kind of weird? I mean, some people come up with the conclusion, therefore, we're supposed to love ourselves. That's a little warped. Sounds, or not warped, but just a little extreme I think Jesus was implying something a little bit more subtle. He says, love your neighbor as you already instinctively, automatically, unconsciously take care of yourself. He didn't say love your neighbors more than yourself. He just said as much as. Be as responsive to the needs around you as you are automatically, instinctively, unconsciously responsive to your own needs. Wow. Wow. I 
can't do that very well. I see needs around me, and I have moments of compassion. Moms have amazing gifts of sacrificial love for their children. I mean, it's miraculous. But not 100% of the time. Sorry, moms. About 1% or more, you're not fun to be with. <laughs> right? Why? Because that's just human nature. I'm sorry. But it's the truth. That's what Jesus was trying to get at in me and I think in these disciples as well. You're still in bondage. Apart from me, there's slavery. You've got an owner that just very subtly but very powerfully controls you and it uses the vessel of you to be in charge. You've got to shift owners, man. You've got to have a new master. And so as I began studying, I, I really like the fact that the Bible is written for everyday people. I read Good News to Modern Man, and I was shocked to find it was so simple. It's not complex, not theologically deep. It's very basic and very picturesque, and a lot of examples and stories and metaphors. I go, I, I totally get this. I, I thought this was for theologians or the elderly, you know, or something like that, who are cramming for a final, you know, something like that. But I realized Jesus was very clear and very plain when he said, you've got to make me and my Father, God and the Holy Spirit, God, your master. Because when you do that, suddenly, when you've got that box checked, not just all the other lists of things you want and like to do, but that box making me master of your life, then you can do the impossible. You can love your neighbor as yourself. Why is that? How does that happen? It's because when we put God first and we make him our major, in fact, only resource of wellness, we make him our source for every need, every desire, every satisfaction, every pleasure, that box is checked. Alex doesn't have to be in charge of him anymore. I've got a master who loves me so deeply and so generously and so wisely who wants to care for me. Guess what? I got time for you. I now have time for you. I have time to just go, you know what? My needs are going to be met. My father's smart and he's kind. My needs are going to be met. I'd love to lay down my life for you for the next hour or for the next week or the next 28 years. You know why? Because that box has been checked. My needs are being met. You see, that's the miracle of having the living God living inside of you, having the living Christ living inside of you, the Holy Spirit inside of you, is he now, A, convinces you of the reality of his love, his provision, solves this grippy, graspy, needy self that likes to rule us all the time and says, the gates are open. Come out of the corral. You can get off the property now. You're free. You can go anywhere because you changed masters from self to your maker. And his provision is beyond all you can ask or imagine. Now, I share this even though it's a incredibly basic, simple Christian principle. I share it because we forget. And we often are drawn back to taking care of me, number one. We just do. It's human nature. It takes a battle to say, no, 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 no. Old master, go. Bye-bye. No, no, no. New master, come. <laughs> I need you. I need your grace. I need to trust you, believe you again, and wait for you. And just relax a little bit. And then especially when it comes to those times when my friend, my family, my children, grandchildren, a stranger on the street has a need, 
I'm not already geared up to say no because I'm so driven to meet my own. I'm actually geared up to say yes because I've been thinking about the goodness of God and I'm actually ready and prepared to be interrupted, to be imposed upon, to be needed when I don't really have anything left to give in my mind. That's real Christianity and I, I think it's incredibly important for us as churchgoers to not confuse being a Christian with being a, I don't know, Republican or Democrat or a Boy Scout or something like that, or a, an Olson. I was born into this. No, you weren't. No, it, it's not an affiliation with the Lions Club or the Ro Rotaries. Is that what it is, Rotary Club? Yeah. It's not an affiliation. It's a reality of saying, I actually put my hope and my trust in Almighty God. And that's what it means to be a disciple, to be a follower, to actually let the truth permeate everything we are all we do all the time for the rest of our lives. And then, guess what? You actually have energy, time, desire to be used by Almighty God in the life of another person. I was mentioning the uh, surf contest that I was watching this morning. It's called the Bro-Am, Brothers of Amateurs. It's a surf community put on by Rob Machado and... Uh, I was watching as um, he's on this giant board, paddling in the back and this little kid in the front, trying to push himself to his feet, trying to push himself to his feet as they're riding in on this wave. And when he stood up, and I said this already, but he had one leg. And he was balancing on one leg, and I just began to, to cry and say, you have to have a lot of grace and love to not just do that once a year, but to live that way, to have the needs of others at least match yours at least match yours, our instinctive, unconscious, automatic response to meet our own needs. That's what Jesus was referring to. If we have Christ, we'll have that same kind of compassion and care for others. That's genuine Christianity. If you don't have that, uh, boy, prayer away. You know, you could just say, now, I'm in. It doesn't matter how you say it. A sincere response to God is all it takes. Then... When you feel underappreciated by your boss, it's okay, God loves me. When you uh, feel like the government's overextending and invading your life, I'm going to heaven, it's okay. When your neighbor falsely accuses you or cuts down your favorite tree, <laughs> the truth is, it's all right, man. I've got eternity to grow trees. In fact, I might be one in eternity, planted by a river of water bearing fruit in all seasons, something like that. If your kids don't appreciate how much you do sacrifice for them, yeah, you want to train them up and you want them to, to learn uh, gratitude and uh, respect, but we got to have the real Jesus meeting every need that we have. And when needs and wants are delayed, just to trust that he's smart and he's kind. So this morning, I want to say Freedom Sunday really is about experiencing the freedom in Christ that only he can give. Only he can give. So I'd like to pray if um, you agree that Jesus was right when he said, if you hold to my teaching, hold to it. Embrace it. Swallow it. Chew on it. Let it be absorbed into your entire system. 
Then you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I want to be that kind of follower of Christ where I'm just always looking to learn. A disciple is simply a learner. I, I don't have all the truth yet. I won't get it all until Jesus comes or I see him face to face. But what I can do is always be reaching for more so that I can be more like him, more loving, more available, more energized, and uh, more like him. Would you like to do that? Would you like to embrace that? Yeah? I want freedom. How about you? Yeah, well, let's, let's lift our hands for a second. Let's just pray for that prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your simplicity and the power of your word, Lord, that we can actually understand it and receive it. But Lord, we're raising our hands to say, I'm in. I vote yes. I want more of you, Jesus. Make me a better disciple, disciple of yours. Lord, help me to hunger for truth until the day I see you face to face. Lord, help me to experience and taste your freedom because, Lord, I believe that free people, free people, enslaved people, enslaved people. I want to be a free person, free man, free woman, free son and daughter of God. So we ask for your help, Lord. We cry out, Holy Spirit, for your help. And we look forward to receiving it in Jesus' name. The church said? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, kids... I didn't even know you were there. You were so quiet and so kind. Thank you so much. Um, if you're able, we would love to have you stay. We've got a great lunch prepared for you. You can sit in the shade. You can sit in the sun. If you want to come back in here, the air conditioning is kind of working, so it may be a little bit cooler. God bless you, and we'll see you outside.